Hey, yo, say hello to the back. Scott Hall. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA. Oh, it's real. It's damn real. Hi, this is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion. And you listen to SNS Radio Network. Yo, monkeys, it's me, P.P.P., the king of Adabim, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time, three-time, three-time world champion. Stay tuned or you will feel Hey, you listen on the SNS Network, and that's the bottom line. The Stone Cold Setro. The world is listening. Gee, I hope nobody is taping this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the SNS Radio Network is proud to bring to you the open book. Did you see that? Did you see that coming? Yes! 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 We're your source for all video game entertainment and wrestling news. I know how to push your buttons too. I see everything you're going to do from a mile away. With your host, Sensational Sequel, Sean. And I am the voice of the voiceless. And the British one, Ashley. What's the matter, Danny? You've never taken a shortcut before. So sit down. What? Shut up. What? And listen, because story time is about to begin. Tell me he didn't just say that. Everything is in bloom, ball flinging, birds singing, bees stinging, and soon one love, one people, walking round in harmony, everybody is equal, yeah, I'm talking about equality, benevolent, intelligent, together in peace, I love everybody, yeah, that's what I believed, until I rode on the metro. Y'all ever rode on the metro? Up in the morning and I have to get dressed Head to the metro station and I grab the express People say it's nothing doing but commuting is dope It's the only place where you can get the flu and growth People stopping at the bottom of the escalator Makes you think, can a person with no brain ever truly stop and think? I just missed a train, but it's gonna be fine Cause there's a two-car train, 20 minutes behind Train is finally coming now, it won't be far It must be driven by a pirate cause the board says R on the metro Y'all ever rode on the metro? Teaching English on this train, well I bet it would be hard Nobody seems to know the meaning of the center of the car And the one thing on my mind that has surely got me torn Is how can you have body odor at 8.30 in the morning? The driver of this train, like the last Sopranos, trust me Cause it seems he likes to stop abruptly And there's no network in this tunnel And it's got me perplexed Oh well, at least now we know the driver can't text On the metro Y'all ever rode on the metro? We sent a man to the moon Brought him back two weeks 
legislator Apparently not as long as it takes to fix an escalator Walk left, stand right, I wanna shout to the tourists Just stand on the right while you figure out where the zoo is Your stroller's holding up the line on me for it The sound of Tuspio, it makes me question if they're even fit to reproduce Or rather the yellow, retro. orange, blue and green and orange, blue and red is Got so many lines of college rulers getting jealous You see something, say something, see you gotta be trusted We must be at Foggy Bottom, I just got crop dust Is it coincidence or irony? I mean it's just the thought that the dummy causing the line you see He doesn't have a smart trip And the fares just got from high Now I'm gonna take a beating What do they do with all that cash while not replacing orange seeds? I'm just an intern, earn no professional wages Working for some jerk who's working on congressional pages And they say it's hot as hell, and it may be hot as hell But fire seems to kill germs and here you need some URL Because I'm looking at this poll, I'm not immune to catch a virus Hearing some dude's earphones blasting through to Miley Cyrus Checking the metro map, it's best to be avoiding strike Cause ending up in Anacostia, Anacostia life Please stand clear of the doors, we've reached the end of the track Excuse me No announcement lady, that is not my bag On the metro Y'all ever rode on the metro? What is up, boys and girls? This, of course, is Sensational Sequel, Sensational Spoiler, the voice of the voiceless right here on the SNS Radio Network. I am, of course, Sensational Sean, and I uh, thought you might enjoy that. I heard that on uh, SiriusXM this past week. It was kind of funny. I just decided to choose it out of, out of a whim because I really didn't know what else to pick for our opening song because, really, I am at a loss with opening songs right now. So next week we might have something a little bit more upbeat probably something a little bit harder so we might find out what's what's going to happen but of course this is the open book where we talk everything from wrestling video games and entertainment and i am never alone of course i am always with my my co-host he is the host of the whole indie show he is also the british one he is known as ashley what's up tonight man of course, rather than an opening song, you could just have like an opening minute of a song or something. I like opening songs, okay? Okay. We open with a song, we end with a song. Just how it goes. And we're going for a song on eBay. That's right. Um, to TCG, that was called the Metro song. Um, I don't remember why Why or who, who it was by. I apologize. I'll check during the break and we'll find out. So... So, uh, I'm trying to figure out what to say, because there's something I want to ask, and I'm not sure I want to ask it. Um, okay, I'll ask it like this. Actually, did you watch Impact last night? Yeah, um, no. No? Okay. Don't worry, I didn't either. I will say that I'm giving TNA one more chance, and it wasn't last night. It is next week, because apparently they have uh, their second hardcore justice live free pay-per-view Whatever. Um, well, this this is the official hardcore justice one because due to the viewing figures of the last one, it's like the last one never existed. But the last one was good, actually. I will give it up. They had, they had a yeah, good match. If only about ten thousand people. Well, no, I don't think it was even ten thousand. I think it was only about two or three thousand. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I we do know that Directv has dropped all of the TNA one night only pay per views, so. Oh, well. Sucks for them. Um, this is segment one. I had 
a lot to do today. I've been at work for a while. So I didn't get a chance to do a full uh, write-up for you guys, unfortunately. I apologize. So one of the things we're going to do in the first segment here is we're going to do our top five SummerSlam matches because uh, in two weeks or a week uh, and two days. Yeah. I got it. Don't worry. A week and two days, we do have the uh, we do have SummerSlam. So we thought we might go through the top five SummerSlam matches, our, our favorite. So, of course, we are going to do this alternately. And I will start us off. Ooh, I changed it up. What now? Um, sorry. Number five for me. That, that was just out of there, people. Yeah. Blimey. Um, number five for me is going to be the rematch. Wait. That was that okay, never mind. I, I I screwed up and saw something different. Um is the rematch that happened at WrestleMania ten. Of course, I'm talking about the ladder match for the WWF Intercontinental Championship between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. It wasn't as good of a match as it was at WrestleMania ten, but they did do a little bit more stuff in this one. I actually enjoyed a lot of it. And I really enjoyed seeing how they both used the ladder to their benefit. It was almost the same match to a certain extent, but they did do a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, the backflip we did see at WrestleMania 10, but this time Shawn Michaels missed it. Um, we did see, of course, the difference uh, that Shawn Michaels did win this one um, instead of Razor Ramon winning, but uh, he was the babyface at the time. So it was cool to see that. Um, Ashley? Um, I think I'll go with my first one. Again, mine aren't in order because I had to quickly plan these out for about 20 minutes before the show started due to various stuff on my end. Um, I'll also go with a ladder match. But this time we're going to go SummerSlam 2005 and the custody of Dominic with the Rey Mysterio-Eddie Guerrero match, because that you could, even though obviously it was all fake and everything, it had the one thing which sometimes wrestling seems to be lacking at the minute, and that's a pretty strong storyline. There were the whole idea of, oh, what is Eddie's secret? Secret is uh, Roderick... Mysterio's son is actually Eddie's son. <gasps> yeah. And then it's all, it's all about the... you know He wasn't going to reveal the secret because he lost the match, but then he revealed it anyway because, you know, lies, cheats, steals, and all that. And it was... Eddie fucking Guerrero. Yeah, it was a very good spot between the two. A la... I don't think they ever had a ladder match in WCW. I don't believe this either. I, it's been a long time since I have seen anything of that sort in WCW, so I don't believe they did. But it was a very strong match, obviously Mysterio winning out and celebrating with his kid, who actually is his real kid. You could tell that was towards the end of WWE kind of uh, going a bit crazy on the storylines. Because I think it was that pay-per-view as well that uh, Undertaker 
faced Orton and got put in the... We didn't get put in the casket, did he? Because that was... Yeah, that was match two of their feud over that year. That was probably one of my favorite moments, though, of the Orton... Undertaker feud, I will say that, is the casket, and they lit the casket on fire. Yeah, from No Mercy, wasn't it? Uh, I believe so. Because I just remember seeing the fire like go everywhere. I mean, it was absolutely crazy, because they poured everything on top, set a fire, and it's like the fire just decided, oh, you poured me on the casket? Well, guess what? I'm going to the floor also. And it's just like they weren't too, too good thinking in that part. So, um, my turn. My number four match is one of my favorite wrestling characters of all time, no matter what. Shawn Michaels facing off against Triple H at SummerSlam 2002, the unsanctioned street fight. Just seeing Shawn Michaels come back and seeing him wrestle again, number one, was one of the greatest moments I, I can... I love because I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan. Just seeing him completely go at it, and then he gets up to the top top of the ladder, looks out of the crowd, says "I love you," I'm a little crazy, and then jumps off. And it's just one of those moments where you're like, "That's Shawn Michaels. He is back." I was very happy when he did win that match, um, and the ending to that entire match was something so powerful to, my, to me. I mean, he kissed Earl Hebner on the cheek because he was back. He was loving what he was doing. And then the, after that, Triple H taking the sledgehammer and just smashing Shawn Michaels over the back with it. It was just one of those moments where you're like, what? How? What? <coughs> so that's one of my favorites. That is among, it is among one of my favorite SummerSlam moments. But it is definitely number four of my uh, top five matches. Next one I'll touch on is SummerSlam 1997. <clears throat> Bret Hart versus The Undertaker for the WWF title. With Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee. Now, this is apparently so significant. It even was the whole uh, crux point of the um, Attitude Era mode in WWE 13, which I think is one of the strongest storyline kind of things that they actually did. And arguably to a point, it kind of did set forth the Attitude Era. Okay, you had all the Stone Cold stuff before in 96 and everything all the stuff that had happened before it. But it was that that led to, you know, Undertaker versus Sean, Hell in a Cell, uh, which eventually led to the Montreal Screwjob, DX leading the way, um, Stone Cold getting the push as the champion, and everything from there, to be quite honest. So, uh, strong match. Obviously, the ending... With uh, the accidental chair shot, and uh, which then he made out to be no, I meant you know I meant to hit him kind of thing, which you could clearly tell he didn't, and just the way that he had to count the pinfall, you know, he didn't want Brett to win, and uh, Brett, 
Brett covered him, and Sean's like, one, two, three. Just instantly rolled out the ring and was like, damn it! <laughs> That's just, just good reaction from all three in that match there. So uh, that's uh, my second one. Definitely agree with you there. Great match. Um, that is not what I wanted for that one. Uh, crap, I just lost my number three. Okay, there we go. Number three involved the first first time of its kind. It involved three of the greatest tag teams ever. Well, of this of that era, Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys, and the Dudley Boys in the first ever tables, ladders, and chairs match for the tag team titles. We saw more things in this match than I have. I can ever. I can, I can really say. I mean, when I first saw this, I was just amazed. This is that was one of the reasons why I bought the DVD. Was a was that match, and of course the main event that in that match too, uh, which was the Rock and Kurt Angle Triple H. But the TLC, the first TLC match, is definitely one of my favorite uh, TLC matches of all time. And it's just absolutely crazy with how they went about doing things. I just absolutely love this match and how they... You could tell they were hurting the spear from the top of the ladder. Uh, I believe... Or was that in the ladder match? I can't remember. I believe that was in this match. The spear from the top of the ladder from Edge to Jeff. The spear from the top of the ladder, I think, was TLC 2. At Mania. Okay. Huh. I'm not sure. I, it's been so long since I've actually seen this match. I guess i got to sit down and rewatch well, it. Sometime. Paul Heyman was on commentary. Yes, he was. So, no, he, he would have only been on commentary oh, that's, for... That's two. That's the second one, then. Yeah. So, either way, great match. Amazing match. Uh, if you've never seen this match, it is definitely worth actually sitting down and watching and enjoying what can be one of the greatest um, one of the greatest TLC matches of all time. Ashley? Um, I'm split here as to which one to... Uh, yeah, I'll go with the more historical one because of its significance. SummerSlam 94. The steel cage match between Brett and Owen Hart. See, again, this is a case of it's got enough of the storyline. It's, you know, the older brother, you know, champion, getting all the praise, and the younger brother that knows that he can beat his brother because he did it at the WrestleMania two, three months before. Actually, when well, it would have been three or four, wouldn't it? It's August to April. Yeah, well, a few months before, should we say, he, he beat him, and challenged him and it was a very very good match and you could tell that they obviously worked on it probably for weeks months possibly to get it just executed well excellence of execution i guess you could say but it was just i mean you didn't have that many cage matches at SummerSlam over the history of it 
I mean, especially with the old school ones. Um, yeah, there probably deserves to be some credit for the Ultimate Warrior Rick Rude cage match, but that of that didn't really go on for that long. I think it was only about a ten or eleven minute match. This one one went on for pretty much half an hour, and it had everything that it needed to interference from the outside, trying to uh, help either. Per- I think. Yeah, was there people in Owen's corner? Yeah, Neidhart, I think, wasn't it? I helping believe him out. so. Not and sure. The British, British Bulldog was helping out uh, Brett, but then obviously the bit where the, the whole family came in, I think, at the end, including Stu and all that. Yeah, I remember that. Nice little touch, but I think that's probably one of the best cage matches from at least the blue bar days, I'd say. Yeah, I remember the whole, uh, the entire family was pretty much climbing the uh, the cage to get in, and Nightheart's in the ring knocking them off because Owen's got Brett in the, in the sharpshooter. I remember that. That was, wow, that was so much of a drama-packed match. I mean, you, you, a lot of people thought that was real. And even I at the time thought it was real because, I mean, you've got these two brothers who are going at it, and the family wants to get in there and save them, and they can't. And it's just like, what are they going to do? So, I mean, I definitely, that's a great choice for that one. I, I remember that one very much so. Um, uh, let's see. I guess I'm on number, th- number two. Yes, number two. We'll go with that. Um, I know I'm probably going to take one from Ashley, and I apologize to him. But this, for for me alone, the historical factor for this one is just a lot more than that one you just told me. The British Bulldog versus Bret Hart. And Bulldog's own home country of London, England. Wembley Stadium. They packed it out with 80,355, and it was for the Intercontinental Championship. One of the greatest matches in SummerSlam history in my mind. I mean, I know I'd give it number two because number one is another great match, but this is among one of the greatest matches ever in WWF history. Um, there have been a couple. But this is one of those that will, no matter what, you ask somebody what defines wrestling today or what defined some uh, wrestling in the 90s. Early 90s, I'm going to tell you British Bulldog Bret Hart. Late 90s, I'm probably going to say some Attitude Era. But that match alone, I mean, you we saw something in this match. I don't think I ever, I think it, at that time, I never really saw, which was blood, and that was from Bret Hart, from only getting pushed into the into the um, stairs. So I mean, it's one of those where you're kind of like, how in the world did that happen? And he was bleeding hard way. I mean, that was one of those where you're just kind of like, wow. But this match just one of the greatest matches uh, in my mind uh, in the early 90s for SummerSlam. 
Go ahead. Um, okay. Because I think you might pick that as number one. I will leave it. And if you don't, I can take it. So I will go with um, SummerSlam 2001. Again, it's a ladder match. There seems to be a trend with SummerSlam. And this is the match between RVD, Rob Van Dam, and Jeff Hardy. For I think it was the hardcore title. Might have been the Intercontinental, I'm not sure. Hardcore. It was the hardcore. This was a damn great match, and arguably this is kind of the... I think it might have happened at... Inv- yeah, I think it happened at Invasion as well, but this is the first time, at least on one of the big four, that RVD got a chance to shine and did a hell of a good job with it. But also it was the first time we saw... Jeff in singles competition on one of the big four pay-per-views. And I think, you know, with the ability, well, not ability, with him willing to put his, you know, career on the line with all his crazy spots that he did back then and to an extent still does now, it kind of introduced him as a force to be reckoned with, at least for quite a lot of the uh, Attitude Era as uh, a second-tier champion. I don't think he won that match, but uh, or even the Invasion one, I don't think he won, but both times he had one hell of a great match with RVD, and obviously with his ladder expertise as part of the TLC one that you've already mentioned, he had the you know, expertise, and you know, eight years on, from, no, seven years on from that, he obviously had, uh, was it, no, eight, it was right, SummerSlam 09, when he fought uh, CM Punk in the TLC match. It's interesting to see what happens and how it all becomes of revolving around a ladder, SummerSlam, and Jeff Hardy. What goes around comes around, I guess. Okay. My number one is the year after that. Is the year after two thousand? Is after your ladder match? It's two thousand two. Same year as the Shawn Michaels Triple H on Station Street fight. It's the main event. It's Brock Lesnar versus The Rock for the WWE Undisputed Championship. One of my favorites early two thousands pay per view match because. The story behind this was just absolutely great. The, the fact that The Rock was training so much, getting his cardio up, getting his strength up. This is what I feel, if a lot of people actually thought about it, this is what The Rock we're getting now to a certain point. Because The Rock is just going out there and just going crazy. I mean, he's going up there, he's working, his, he's working everything, he's working his entire body just to go into this match with the Beast Incarnate with Brock Lesnar. So, I mean, it's just one of those matches where, I mean, even the crowd at the time, this was, I think, to say this, and I'm probably going to get some flack, but this, in my opinion, was... This was Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. 
from back in the day. But now. This was one of those biggest matches. This I know this match alone put butts in the seats. Uh, and it wasn't a big big area. It was only a coliseum. So they had 14,000 people, which, I mean, is a good-sized crowd, but I still think if they had, uh, if they had gone to a bigger bigger place, they would have they would have had a really good-sized crowd. Um, but Brock Lesnar versus The Rock for the title, one of my favorite, one of the best wrestling matches of the early 2000s. Ashley. My final pick. Yeah. I hate to take umbrage with your announcement that Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog is the best intercontinental title match at SummerSlam. Because you went forward a year from my pick. So I'm going to go backwards from your last pick. SummerSlam 91, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. In my opinion, probably the best Intercontinental title match that there's been at SummerSlam, and possibly even ever. Because, again, you had two guys that knew what the hell that they were doing, were experts at every sort of wrestling, really. They could do... Not high-flying stuff, but they could do stuff if they had to from the turnbuckles. But they had the the ground skill, the submission skill, the awareness of knowing what to do to get the fans to pop. And I think it was, it went for about 25 minutes or so, but every time you look at that, it's just... It's kind of the thing that everybody needs to watch if they want to consider themselves a second-tier champion in uh, wrestling. Because it was kind of that much of a clinic that they put on. It's also made out by the fact that, I think, was that the show when uh, Roddy Piper was on commentary? Or was it was he on 92 as well? I can't remember. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll look that up right quick, though. I was looking something else up. Um... Roddy Piper was on commentating for, at that time, so yes, he was ninety-one. I think that was the one where he, you know, said yes a lot, like you know, Daniel Bryan twenty years after, <laughs> twenty years before. Yeah, you know, Daniel Bryan did it twenty years after. That's what I meant. Okay. So is that all you got? I know you got some honorable mentions. You always well, handily. Do. You took. Pretty much, well, I didn't have the Rock versus Brock one on my list, but what else I did have on my list was quite a lot. Um, just because it's significant, SummerSlam 88, Honky Tonk Man versus Ultimate Warrior. Okay, it was a 30-second squash match, but it was just the kind of reveal, like, oh, nobody's going to take me on. Ultimate Warrior runs in, basically does... Does his signature, does his finisher, pins him, gets the belt, runs out. Honky Tonk uh, gets thrown on the scrap heap. Yeah. I, sh- I don't know. That's just one of those matches where I just 
didn't care. I mean, it's it meant a lot, but I don't know. Um, I'm just mentioning it because I'm pretty sure it could be part of um, 2K14, possibly. What? Well, I don't know what the whole idea. I'm get. Well, I don't know what the whole idea of this become a legend mode is because they've been pushing Ultimate Warrior in it. I'm just wondering whether that moment could be included as part of the become a legend mode. No, as far as I know, the whole become a legend starts with the um, golden era and then works its way through the attitude era up until now. I think. No, but I'm sa- I'm saying the how the, the match could be a part of it. You know, I don't know. if you remember in t- thirteen when they had the like the optional stipulations of winning a match, you know, in less than two minutes or something. I think if you go, if you if you could have that in there and have it like win in less than a minute, and then you get unlock some bonus content like Honky Tonk or the SummerSlam Arena, let's say. It's possible. Yeah, we could see that, but. Uh, um, I do have one. Okay. Uh, it's from SummerSlam 2009. It was CM Punk versus Jeff Hardy in a tables, ladders, and chairs for the World Heavyweight Championship. It was a great match. I believe it was... No, it wasn't Jeff Hardy's last match. Um, I thought it was, but it wasn't. But it was a great match. I mean, they did a lot of really good stuff. The drama for these this match was very high. They, everybody was kind of confused by this match. But this was one of those where you didn't know what was going to happen, and they pulled out all the stops. I mean, to quote JR a little bit, they pulled out all the stops just for this match. So. Um, just, I might as well mention my one from 09 as well, and that's the returning DX versus Legacy. Yeah, I, uh, I was going to say that one too. Because that, you know, it's the new guys against the old veterans, but that really started what was a pretty damn good feud between Legacy and DX that went on from that and wasn't Breaking Point, what was it? What was the no, it was Breaking Point in 09, wasn't it? I believe so. When they were in the Submission Count Anywhere match. And yeah, then I think so. resulted in the Hell in a Cell match at... Uh, was that the first Hell in a Cell pay-per-view? You know, by name? I... 2009? I'm sorry. Something like that. I think it probably was, or there was, was, there was a Hell in a Cell in 08. Yeah, there was a Hell in a Cell in 08 pay-per-view, because 09 was the second one, with the whole weird, crappy Paul Bearer turning on Undertaker thing. But, yeah, that was a very good feud there, and a strong tag match, I'll give it that. Quite a lot of people putting other uh, tag matches in the chat. One that Anthony mentions actually does crop up here. Triple H versus Rock, the ladder match from SummerSlam 98. Very uh, good match, I'll mention there as well. Uh, Undertaker versus Edge, the Hell in a Cell match from SummerSlam mm-hmm. 08. Especially with the nice bit at the end when uh, 
he gets choke slammed through the mat and then <laughs> he gets roasted or something. I don't know. He gets broiled. He gets taken to the underworld. Yeah. And the final one on my uh, list, even though it wasn't as good as the month before, CM Punk versus John Cena from 2011. Because it was a still a blooming good rematch between the two. Okay, it had the, you know, Triple H's referee, but okay, it had the kind of screw job ending at the end with Nash coming out the crowd hitting Punk and then um, Del Rio cashing in and becoming WWE champion. But just the, the the whole match itself to find out who is the undisputed champion was a damn good match. And I got one more. Um, I know this is going to be interesting, but the first SummerSlam, 1988, the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. It was the first uh, main events of the first SummerSlam. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth facing off against Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant with Bobby Heenan and Virgil with Jesse Ventura as the special guest referee. I remember a little bit about this. And it, from what I remember, it was a good match. It was a classic match. So I'm just going to go with that. Um, I, like I said, I don't remember much from it, but I do remember a little bit. So... We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> I'm just. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, what was it? The one the year after, with him and the was it Hogan and Warrior versus? Uh, no, it was Hulk Hogan and Bruce Beefcake versus Randy Savage and Zeus. Zeus. I no, 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 no. So it's just, it's just that pro. It's that promo that. Um, Colt Cabana's mum and Cliff Compton and Freight Train did that Colt Cabana put together for his podcast or whatever. They, I've, I forgot they even had a pay-per-view. Um, they had a pay-per-view called No Holds Barred and they actually had Hulk Hogan and Bruce Beefcake facing Randy Savage and Zeus in a steel cage. I've completely forgot about that. Well, because basically the movie was shown on pay-per-view. And then to accompany it was uh, the uh, specially taped show. Uh, I'm I'm okay not caring about that one afterwards. <laughs> I, that, I was one of those where I was just like, no. Um... Is there anything else? We, I, you know what? Let's talk about this Ring of Fire match that we're supposedly going to have this year at SummerSlam 2013. Um, Kane vs. Bray Wyatt. Ring of Fire. What are we thinking here? I mean, um,. I'm looking at the Wikipedia. I pulled up Wikipedia right quick. A variation of the Inferno match will take place at SummerSlam 2013 when Kane takes on Bray Wyatt. While the ring will be surrounded by flames as per a standard Inferno match, the match will be decided by pinfall or submission. This has been described as the Ring of Fire. 
Okay. What do you think of that? Well, considering it's Kane's character, it makes sense rather than have it as a cage match. Because in essence, that's what it is. Because the, you know, the whole idea. I don't know what film it's from, but I've seen the Rooster Teeth Let's Play say it quite a lot of times: "No way in, no way out." Sounds familiar. Ah, uh, that's Thunder Cage. That's uh, Thunderdome, isn't it? Thunderdome, yeah, Mad Max. <clears throat> Surprised I remember that. Um. I mean, I'm looking that explains why that catchphrase started from the Thunderdome episode. Idiot me. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm looking forward to this match. It's looking interesting. I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to do this. It's interesting that this is a PG era. And they have a ring of fire. So, I mean, what's going to happen there? They, they, they're going to have people get... Or is anybody going to be caught on fire? I mean... No. Well, hold on. <laughs> well, think um, about it. Yeah. Kids are watching. Why don't we just, you know... Hey, well, kids. The reason, reason why I say excited. that is because this is an Inferno match also. It's the fact that, hey, we're going to have a ring of fire. Will someone catch on fire? So, I mean, it's one of those stupid things where you're kind of like, I kind of wonder if somebody will catch on fire. But then at the same time, you're kind of like, well, they can't really do the fire bit, but they could do, no. So, I mean, it's one of those where I'm just very confused and I just want them to do whatever it is that they're going to do and give us something crazy. Which, of course, a Ring of Fire match could be, you know, the ring is surrounded by uh, Johnny Cash LPs that are being burned by some weird protest group. What? What? You know how they have, like, all these... Well, historically, you've had these book burnings, and then you have... At Sandy Hook, you had that video game burning thing. Perhaps the Ring of Fire matches are just going to burn Johnny Cash-related stuff. I don't know. Okay, I think we're done with this segment. Um, yeah. I derailed it. Boom. That's something you don't see every day. Completely. So we will take a break. We'll come back with, uh, of course, our, our gaming segment. We'll be right back after these quick, short, whatever. We'll be right back. fans, your ring announcer here, Sean Beckerman, and I'm proud to present to you 
the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast that's taking the IWC by storm beyond the bell. On each edition, we cover a different theme, taking you back in time to relive the greatest and worst in professional wrestling. We go behind the mic, where you will get backstage stories from the perspective of a pro wrestling ring announcer on the independent circuit. Find out what it was like to announce some of the greatest stars in pro wrestling history and the funny stories behind the scenes. And we wrap it all up with old school wrestling music. So tune in to Beyond the Bell each and every week on the SNS Radio Network. And I'll see you at the matches. It's go time! SNS Unplugged has returned to the airwaves. You can check out the Bronx Father, Tony J. Mirabella, and of course, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as they discuss the happenings from Monday Night Raw, NXT, the latest news of the week, sponsored by our good friends over at Wrestling-Online.com. And then things get a little interesting as the topics could change from week to week, including topics such as the supernatural, conspiracy theories. Basically, whatever the hell these guys want to talk about, they're going to cover it every Tuesday night right here on the SNS Radio Network. SNS Unplugged is back, baby. Uncensored. Unbelievable. Unplugged. Hey guys, JJ Sexay here. Are you looking for the latest news in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts? Well, check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for one of the longest-running newsletters in professional wrestling. Over 16 years, it's absolutely free. Join over 27,000 other subscribers, wrestling-online.com. You will learn to pronounce my name properly. Wrestling. Dash online dot com. And now back to the open book on the SMS Radio Network. And welcome back, guys. That is, of course, the main theme from Dragon Age uh, Origins. I have been playing that a lot. Um, I was actually playing that a little bit before we went on the air tonight. I was playing that in MLB 2K, MLB The Show 13. So, uh, great game, Dragon Age. I absolutely hated it the first time I played it. 
but now I absolutely love it. I mean, it's very one of those things that I'm just enjoying. So, of course, this is the book. I am, of course, never alone. I do have my co-host. This is the about called you the wrong nickname. Um, the British one, who is the other voice of the voiceless here on the SNS Radio Network. Um, Ashley, you're still with me, right? He could have called me Stig of the Dump. Come on. I almost called you Sensational Ashley. I don't care. Um, apparently, Dane Cook said that uh, the movie Planes, which came out, is extremely one of, one of the best movies he's seen in years. So, if you think about going to see Planes, go see it. I want to see it. It looks great. But, of course, this is segment two. Um, we are going through gaming. So let's jump straight into that. Ashley, you have some stories, I believe, as I look at Suicide Girls. Nice. Um, let's start <laughs> with something which kind of confirms what Sean was talking about last week. Apparently, there's been some leaks from Toys R Us in the UK regarding release dates. Basically, somebody at Toys R Us has got in contact with the suppliers and their suppliers have got release dates apparently listed of the 29th of November for the Xbox One and the 13th of December for the PS4. Keep in mind that these are UK release dates. I'm not sure what days they are of the week because I uh, don't have a calendar around near me and I can't be what's bothered the, to bring it up on the computer. What's the uh, date again? The Xbox One is the 29th of November. Friday. And PS4 is the 13th of December. Friday. Which is the standard day for game releases over here, so... That, obviously, that's placeholder, but... Like, th those probably fit, but I, w I wouldn't be surprised if you possibly saw a early reveal from Microsoft, because... You know, the, t today they put up an unboxing video for the new Xbox. Yes. And I loved it. It is one of the ugliest boxes that no. I've seen. I'm talking about the console. I'm... The, the external box. It just no, looks that... like the black monolith from 2001 in Space Odyssey. It looked and just again, like... this isn't the console, this is the packaging. No, it looked just like the regular boxes. I mean, it's a black box. That's all it is. The Xbox 360 are just white boxes. So I mean, I don't know how you're how you're basically feeling that this is a, a ugly box when it's basically the same kind of box. It's just a black box. Unless you have a problem with colors here, buddy. Which if you do, there's no place for that on this show unless it's coming out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> you heard yeah. that? Yeah. Some, I somebody said didn't it. think before they spoke. I don't care. Um... No, it's just that the whole white thing is different. That was the thing that made it stand out. Now that the console's black and the box is black, it's kind of like, oh, Xbox has gone emo. Really? You know, it, well, if, you, if you're going to have your 360 box somewhere stored away uh, alongside your Xbox One box, it's pretty much it's going to be, at least, I know, at least I know the difference between the two. Because wasn't the I'm trying to remember what the design was for the 
packaging for the Xbox original. I I think it was green. Yeah. I mean, uh, someone I'll I'll get a break quick. It's just that looking at the box art that they have got on it, though, this like there's nothing that substantially stands out about it. Uh, that's not the one I want. It it just looks like a the whole box just looks like it's come straight out of the marketing division. Well, and I, I want stuff that kind of is possibly a little bit quirky or whatever, because... Really? Know. Because I could care less about the box itself. I want what's inside the box. I want that console. I could care less about what the box looks like, as long as that box safely transports my console from where I pick it up to the location that I'm taking it. As long as that console looks completely fine when I pull it out of the box... I don't care what the box looks like. I just want my game. Packaging somehow does matter. Uh, to some people. I'm just trying to put that in, you know. I don't understand how packaging can matter when you're going to be taking it out of the packaging and throwing away the packaging. And the box was black, also. The original Xbox box was black with a green X, with a green circle on the top, and it had an X in the middle of it, just like the original uh, way it looked. Yeah. So, there you go. But it's, it's, just, it's just the way it's presented. It just looks like somebody's painted a cardboard box black and then stuck a load of images on Photoshop on it. There doesn't seem to be any sort of creative design to it. It's just like... I could I could make a box that's exactly the same by just ripping off images from Google search. Once again, I'm just going to say it. I don't care what the box... Myself, I don't care what the box looks like. I know a lot of people that are not going to care what the box looks like. They're just going to want, want it to be able to take what's inside the box to the location that they're going and be able to take out of the box and throw that box to the side because they're going to play with their console. Yeah. Okay. That's that's just my per personal feelings on it. I'm not a fan of it. No doubt, probably six months down the line when they bring out another edition, hopefully they'll have a a better sort, a better design box because it's it's just it. I hope just they the way don't. It looks. I hope they don't, and they say, Ashley, fuck you. And that's why I'll never buy a Wii U. <laughs> Um, now this is something, a very nice thing that was spotted. <laughs> it was really, I guess, covert of sorts. Uh, a bunch of people, Dota 2 players, got a tour around the Valve Studios because they're uh, part of the big tournament that's going on. And somebody took a picture of what looks like a forum-style screen. I think it's email. clearly... It clearly is internal, probably, just for the Valve crew. And listed on it is stuff relating to the Source 2 engine and this, the acronym L4D3. Not really what I wanted to see. Well, I want to be quite see... honest. 
I, you know, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind seeing a Half Life three, but Left 4 Dead's been a pretty good success for them because if if you remember when the second one came out, everyone was like, "Oh, we're boycotting this. We're not going to buy it." Because it's come out so soon after Left 4 Dead 1. Um, within about two weeks, everybody had bought it. They were like, oh, sod it. Let's just play. I'm going to buy it. I Don't don't get me wrong. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it because I love it. But I want my Half-Life 3. What is going on with you, Valve? Give me my Half-Life 3. I honestly think they're waiting until um, they're finalized on what to do with next gen. <sighs> Fuck next gen. There's PC <laughs> yeah. players who want this now. I, I, I just think that they want to gauge how successful the new consoles are going to be before they make a decision on... Uh, I mean, it'll probably be multi-platform, but whether they'll kind of do more of an emphasis on the Xbox One marketing or the Sony marketing, probably with exclusive DLC or something, if that comes from Valve. Yeah. I don't know. Um, This is... uh, This is a bit of a swerve. Apparently, Amazon is now... Considering going into the games console market because of uh, how relatively how relatively successful the Ouya and the GameStick and all these Android-based consoles have been, apparently Amazon is working on an Android-based console which could be released as early as Black Friday. Because obviously, the thing that Amazon does have is they're a trusted name that can obviously dispatch things pretty quickly. I mean, look at the you know the support for the Kindle Fire and everything, and all other Kindles. <laughs> so, and obviously they've already got a download market, which actually the download market launched in the UK this week. Finally, because I think. Uh, I think the US market's had it for at least since the start of the year, I think. But, uh, I mean, my only problem is how many of these Android consoles are we now? I'm looking forward to that. Well, pick it, relating that to the news that came this week, uh, pretty much uh, right after he gave his keynote speech at QuakeCon, 
roughly this time last week, he probably finished it because it went on for nearly three hours. Um, John Carmack uh, left ID Software to become chief technical officer for the Oculus Rift. Uh, in the last couple of days as well, the creative director of Rage, Matt Hooper, has also left ID Software to join the Oculus Rift crew. Which, apparently the Oculus Rift is going to be at uh, Eurogamer next month. And it might even be a case where I might go, screw it. I'm going to take my glasses off and not see a bloody thing, but try and gauge at what the 3D's like. I mean, how much more blind can I go? <laughs> mm. I, I want to get my hands on it sometime. Go ahead. The Oculus Rift, it's one of those things that I keep looking at and I keep looking at it. And it looks like it's going to be something that's going to be absolutely one of the coolest, most tech, awesome things to come out. Um, I do have a story right quick, and I don't know where this appeared to. Apparently, you can't... Oh, there it is. The uh, Omni Gaming Treadmill, which is been used with the Oculus Rift a lot. Um, basically, it's this treadmill that you stand in the middle of it. Um, it You basically belt yourself in. It has shoes, tracking hardware, software, and you can basically walk on it, and it'll keep you in the same place, but in the game, it will make you feel like you're walking in the game. They use it a lot with the Oculus Rift, and apparently you can now pre-order one. But unfortunately, yeah, well, they have their Kickstarter project, which apparently raised about half a million dollars. I think they mentioned in an no. interview that I saw. Um, no, that they got one point one million. Okay, it was their, a million. I knew it was something to do with a million. Um, unfortunately, the pre-order is five hundred dollars for the treadmill, the belt, the shoes, the Dragon's hardware, and the software. But you can get a dual deluxe, which will net you two treadmills, all the other stuff, and apparently a third pair. Yet instead of just getting two, two pairs, you get a third pair. Um, uh, shipping cost is probably going to be a little bit. It's going to be a little high, but I mean, it's out there, and you're going to be able to get one. It's worth uh, mentioning, though, that you would have to buy the Oculus Rift separately, though. Yes, but it's going to be worth it. I think. Yeah, it certainly, I mean, you've seen that video that you saw of, uh, you know, the special arena that they did to cr- try and make Battlefield 4 in real life, like with paintball things, with a like a, what was it, a 270-degree panoramic screen around the player? Yeah, something like that. It was huge. Yeah. I may go find that again. That and... Really, the the Omni thing itself, at least with, with the way the head thing is, it looks like one of the early virtual reality machines with like the the spin things. Yeah. And it's not your usual treadmill because obviously it's a three hundred and sixty degree treadmill. So I believe it's like a, it's like an umbrella upside down, and you basically with your special shoes you walk on, like the equivalent of ball bearings, in order to get the m- movement right. 
But it looks pretty impressive. I will give it that, definitely. Oh, yeah. Speaking of first-person shooters, um, the final pack for Black Ops 2 has been announced. Probably with more death threats at Vondahar. There were some very anti-Semitic ones that were said, uh, apparently, as well. I, you know, the bit we talked about last week with uh, him getting all the hate for... Apparently what it was is the... Is it the DMG or whatever? The gun? Um, Apparently the... Um, the clip time has gone from like 0.2 seconds to 0.4. And the reload's gone from 1.0 to 1.1. And just by doing that, it made some people that pissed that they decided to throw death threats at him. I still don't get that. That's because people are stupid. But yeah, the new uh, DLC coming August 27th for Xbox people first, obviously. Uh, entitled Apocalypse, which is going to have Origins Zombies which is basically going back to the very first Zombies level from Black Ops 1. When it's... I think it's supposed to be set in World War 1. And... Uh, the, the original four characters basically fighting off the horde of zombies... In, 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 as, is, as in hinted by the title of the, the that the zombie pack, an origin story to the original one when it came out. And then multiplayer-wise, uh, map-wise, we've got Pod, which is set in some sort of utopian village, of which they seem to be pushing Pod jumping. So basically, you jump through one from one window through to another window below or whatever. Uh, Frost, which is set in Amsterdam, which looks to be very reminiscent of, like, I don't know, all those World War Two style settings that you see for Amsterdam. Now, it's in the snow, the river's frozen, so I'm guessing you could prob probably, because apparently they said there is a bridge, so I, d I don't know if you'd be able to blow the bridge up and take it out, but whether you could blow the ice... And make the people fall through and freeze to death? Probably not. Probably not. It would be nice, but I don't think it happen. And then we've got... Those are the two new maps. And then we've got two um, inspire, inspirational maps, I guess you could say. Uh, we're gonna, we've got Takeoff, which is inspired by Stadium. Which is basically on a missile so, silo kind of thing. And then Dig which is inspired by World at War's Courtyard map. Uh, that's going to come out for the 1,200 Microsoft points for those people that haven't got the season pass or whatever they call it. Uh, at the end of the month, and then obviously the end of September for everybody, um, everybody on PS3 and PC. Mm -hmm. Wii U, I don't think so. But the other COD-related story is uh, Jason Rubin's teased uh, squads mode for Call of Duty Ghosts. And that's all we really know. 
we'll know more and we'll probably report on it next week as the multiplayer reveal is this coming Wednesday the 14th. Yep. At 6pm UK time, 1 Eastern, 10am Pacific. Um, now, I'm trying to remember if you're looking forward to Rome Total War 2, Sean. Oh, what about... Apparently, if you have Rome Total War 2, you will get early access to Total War Arenas. That's cool. Which is, by the looks of it, Total War Arena seems to be kind of the mod that people have been waiting for, where you can actually take historical armies and possibly put them against each other. In places where they probably wouldn't compete kind of thing. I don't think you'd be able to, like, have, you know, World War Two allied forces versus the Egyptians, because that would be a bit one-sided, you know. Yeah. Bullets versus swords and all that. But, obviously, I guess it would be, to an extent, controllable within certain areas kind of thing, but certainly looks interesting. Uh, Pete, another bit of PC, well, a couple of bits of interesting PC news and free to play actually. We're going to have FIFA World coming at some point, I think this year, which I guess is uh, EA's new version of the FIFA Superstars thing that was the Facebook game, which got cancelled. I guess it's that kind of equivalent. And there is going to be a Dead Island, new Dead Island game. Dead Island Epidemic, which is going to be a PC free-to-play exclusive. They have teased, however, though, the guys at Deep Silver, that they could be a Dead Island free. There probably will be. surprised, because arguably the second one was better than the first. It's funny you made that comment, because, I don't know if you know or not, but apparently there's a Humble Bundle going on right now. That is actually allowing... Is basically you can buy the Dead Island Riptide, and you can get it for twenty five bucks. But you Along can also get with, Dead Island it, One, the other Dead Island One, Risen, Risen Two. Uh, there's a lot. This is completely worth it. Um, I spent, I put thirty bucks in, and I, I was fine with that. But there's a lot. Let me see if I can actually find it right now. Trying to remember what got added, because I think Risen 2 was already in there, but Risen 1 got added last week. Yeah. And it was something else from Deep Silver. Uh, hold on one second. Keep going, and I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, Armor 3. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> um, you have Saints Row the Third, Saints Row Two, Risen Two, Dark Waters, Sacred Two, Gold, Dead Island Game of the Year, Metro Twenty Thirty Three, Risen, Sacred Citadel, Saints Row the Third, Full Package, which is all the DLC. And then if you spend twenty five dollars or more, you get Dead Island Riptide. Well, you get Saints Row Three Standard, no matter what you pay. And Saints Row Two, Risen Two, and Dark Waters. Yeah, but if you spend more than the average, which is five nineteen right now, you get Dead Island Go- Game of the Year, Metro Twenty Thirty Three, Risen One, Sacred Citadel, and Saints Row Third to full package. Well, yeah, your Saints Row Three reverts to the full package edition. Yes, which I think we may have a giveaway coming up soon because I've already got three of these games. 
Okay. So maybe give giving something away. Codes may be coming. Eh, possibly. Uh, yeah, Armor 3 has been confirmed for release of September 12th. However, the campaign mode is going to be delayed until a later point this year, possibly next year, just because it isn't ready and they don't want to put it out as uh, basically a broken product. So basic, so it's going to pretty much be just multiplayer stuff at first, which isn't too bad because then people will get a gist of the mechanics. And all of that. Um, also, yeah, another bit of one-upsmanship between Xbox and Sony. This time, it's regarding video capture. You know, the whole streaming to Twitch, Ustream and everything. Microsoft has said you have to have Xbox Gold in order to do that on their service. PS4 has responded saying, well, you don't need to be on PlayStation Plus. You can just stream straight from out of the box. Yep. This... I'm starting to get sick of this now. From both parties. It's going to happen. I mean, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to see it for a while. Both are no. pretty much going to be like, yeah, we can do this, but we can do this over here, too. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's going to happen for a while. Now... An interesting crossover here. Sony has got together with Coke. Cola, whatever you want to call it. um, To create PlayStation All-Stars Island. Which is going to be a free mobile game which will basically tie into Diet Coke, Coca-Cola. I don't know what Coke Zero, I don't know what else it's going to... uh, entail, but it's basically by the looks of it it's sort of uncharted possibly kind of multiplayer style meets um, meets Playstation All-Stars characters it's an interesting thing, certainly look at the details of it and you know, download it anyway because it's free and see what you think of it I'm, I think it's coming out later this year. I don't think it's out just yet. Uh, Ubisoft has apparently required the Hasbro license. So all the who had the Hasbro license before for like the family game night things? Because they were pretty successful. CHQ. No. Yeah. No, it could be because uh, they did have the Pictionary game. As if Pictionary is Hasbro, I'm not sure. I think it might have been, I'm not sure. But, um... Yeah, Ubisoft now has the license, so... You could see any number of Hasbro games uh, come from them. You know, that'll become their new Just Dance, I guess. The new annual, uh... The new annual project, or whatever. Something like that. Uh, now, a bit of Nintendo news from the Nintendo Direct stuff. Rayman Legends will be getting Mario and Luigi costumes exclusive to the Wii U. Luigi is confirmed for the new Super Smash Bros. game. Uh, the Professor Layton vs. Ace Attorney crossover is going to be coming to the West next year. Uh, Europe will be getting it some point early into 2014. 
probably America more towards the summertime. Uh, we've got an October 4 European release date for Zelda Wind Waker HD. And Link Between Worlds will be coming in November. And apparently from the Japanese presentation, Wii Fit U will be coming out for them in October, which probably means around November for the Western market, more than likely. And Mario Golf has now been delayed to 2014. Uh, uh, final little bit, Sonic Lost World apparently will have 3DS and Wii U connectivity. So you'll be able to send uh, helpful RC helicopters to help out Sonic from your 3DS on... Well, your 3DS will send out the helicopters to the Wii U game. So I guess it's sort of some uh, some sort of cross-play kind of thing where, you know, like with the Wii U controls and then the, like, uh, is it, yeah, New Super Mario Bros. U, isn't it? You know, sure. where people can, people can have the, the standard controls and then the person with the screen can assist them. It's kind of that thing. Uh, Batman Collector's Edition has been announced, which I think is Europe. Well, it's probably region. No, it's not region two, is it? I'm trying to work out what the region is for, like Blu-ray and stuff. But it's certainly for Asia Pacific and Europe. I think possibly. I'm not. I don't know about Africa, but certainly uh, Europe and a Asia and Australia will be getting this edition. Uh, it's going to feature a statue. It's going to feature a uh, dossier-style thing, which is going to have profiles of all eight assassins and the contract, apparently, that Black Mask has put out on Batman. Uh, it's going to feature an 80-page art book and then also uh, quite a bit of DLC stuff, which also includes like Avatar stuff, I think, and uh, uh, themes for PS3 people. Plus, if you get the Sony one, you will get some exclusive DLC, I think called Nightshade. I think it is off the top of my head. Which has got nothing to do with uh, the plot for Red 2, by the way. Yeah, you can tell that I saw it yesterday. Um, uh, another DC-related thing, Injustice has announced that Zatanna will be coming as DLC at some point later this month. I think it's later this month. Or at least it's, she's the next DLC anyway. Now, um, oh, what was the website that we talked about a few weeks back? Was it Nintendo that couldn't get Wii U.com? Yeah. Well, now apparently Take Two is trying to require GTA5.com. It is owned by somebody in Spain, and apparently the website is for sale. Uh, up until a few months ago, it redirected to a third-party blog. It now redirects straight to the Rockstar website. Yeah, which is kind of funny. I uh, I was th I was looking at this earlier today, and I just kept thinking how stupid it is for Rockstar to go after this guy and basically be like, "Yo, hey, we want to buy it, but we're not going to buy it. We're going to sue you for it." Yeah, because they are—they're basically taking them to the uh, world um, 
IP organization. And it's stupid because this guy is basically giving them their tra- their traffic. He's giving See, them I don't know traffic. whether he's I don't know whether he's suing them though. I don't know whether they're suing him. They did obviously they are- previously because you had the the people with all the fake stuff like GTA 5 beta stuff. No, they're trying to get the IP away from them. Which is absolutely stupid. Yeah, but they're not trying to sue him. They're, they're trying, just trying to, to take, take away the asset the away. IP away. Yeah. Which, in essence, is pretty much saying, hey, we, we're suing you for this. See, I'm uh, more likely with this one for there to be some sort of agreement reached between the two parties than there was with GTA5BetaCodes.com. Because obviously the GTI bait, 5 beta codes thing is spreading a lie which isn't anything to do with Rockstar. So they've got every right to take you know, legal action and sue them. With just GTAV.com, it's less likely for them to do that. So I just think they're, that's probably what the press is saying and what internally they're trying to do at Rockstar. But I think the honest thing is they just want to come to some sort of settlement where they can actually get it. I don't know. Uh, thanks to the Aussie Classification Board, apparently there is going to be a Dishonored Game of the Year edition coming, which isn't a surprise, really, considering the DLC's been pretty successful for it. Apparently a Sony Classic is getting HD treatment for current-gen systems. Now, I've been trying to work out what that could be. I mean, could it be... You know, Crash Bandicoot HD? Probably. Um, trying to think of other Sony things. Well, Killzone's already come out HD. Jack and Dax already... I'm trying to think of... Are there any PS2 games that have Sony have brought out that haven't already been HD-ified? I'm not sure. Because the thing is, would the Crash Bandicoot games still be Sony? Or would it be, um... Who holds the Crush Bandicoot license? No. Let's find out. Because it uh, obviously isn't Naughty Dog. That, because Naughty Dog left after... 3, didn't they? Crash Bandicoot... Is owned by High Impact. Okay. Uh, the publisher is Activision. Right, it's Activision. Okay. I'm just thinking of what. I'm still trying to work out what it could be that Sony has, but uh, obviously it's a Sony first-party game, which probably takes out something like Crash Bandicoot. Of course, it could be something that isn't a classic at all, like uh, Vib Ribbon. Oh no! Wait, that's fucking awesome. There we go. That's what I want. I want Vib Ribbon HD. Even though it's only in black and white and with white wire lines, so there isn't that much to HD HDFI about it. So. Uh, uh, the developers, I think it's is it Turn Ten, the guys that did Forza Horizon. I have no clue. Anyway, the Forza Horizon devs have said that they are working on a sequel now, which I guess will probably be coming out next year. Because they seem to be going alternate years now to the uh, 
the full Forza Motorsport series. Uh, Sega is apparently interested in buying Atlas. Atlas is the people that brought us uh, the Persona series, along with quite a few other uh, big series from back in the day kind of thing. I think. can't remember off the top of my head. But apparently Sega is one of about 20 parties that are interested in purchasing them. Which would be interesting because it would sort of possibly bring Sega back to prominence in the publishing stuff. With... I mean, Persona 4, the last one that came out of the proper series, I'm not talking the golden, you know, fight, beat em up spin-off. Persona 4 was out for the PS2, and I think was, in 2009, was like, with most people, one of their top five or ten games of the year, even though by then it was easily previous generation. It was that good. And, uh, I think that's pretty much everything. That's all you got? Uh Uh-huh. Well, you didn't mention one thing, and I'm kind of surprised you didn't. That's Oh, yeah. uh, I I forgot to mention one thing, but I'll let you do your stories first. There's one thing you didn't bring up, and the fact that there is a new bundle that has been released for Saints Row 4. I'm a little surprised you didn't bring this up because this is a pretty massive bundle. Um, basically, it's known as the Super Dangerous Wad Wad Edition, a.k.a. the Million Dollar Pack. Pretty oh, this is the one that's game exclusive in the UK, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Um, it is a, technically, there's only one, and it's only available through UK re- retailer game. But you have to email publisher Deep Silver to say, hey, I want to buy this. Now, here's what this thing comes with. It comes with a Virgin Galactic space flight, a full-size dubstep gun, hostage rescue experience, plastic surgery, a spy training day, a personal shopper, a casual wardrobe, seven nights at the top royal suite at the Burj Al-Arab, Dubai, a week for two at the Jefferson Hotel in Washington, D.C., the Martha Jefferson Suite. Let's get that right. First class flight to Dubai. A first, cla- first class flight flight to Washington. A Lamborghini Gallardo. A Toyota Prius. One year auto insurance. And a supercar membership. Oh, and the game. The Commander in, Dish- Commander in Chief Edition. Now, uh, who is this? AR- ARS Technica. Is a site that I go to for some information every now and then. They have come up and actually put all this together. They have looked at this and basically come to the conclusion that this is not equal $1 million. After they total everything up, it comes to a total of 629974 Almost half. Now, straight up, it comes to the fact, is this real? No one knows. No one's gonna come out and say, "Yeah, this is a this is a real package. We're actually gonna give you this stuff." Or, "Nah, it's not real. It's completely fake." I mean, there's so much here that they can't say, "Yeah, no." So, I mean, it comes. We it really comes down to 
is anybody going to try to buy this? I mean... People, yeah. if you remember... Um, well, this, this obviously now trumps the record for uh, most expensive pre-order. If you remember uh, a few months back for Grid 2, we yeah. had... Um, you, but you, you know, you get a supercar for like thirty thousand. Sure, fifty thousand, wasn't it? Something like that. I'm not sure. Something ridiculous. I mean, straight up. I, I, I'll put it like this: if I won, if I won the lottery, I'd buy it just for the hell of it, just to say I did. But I can't because it's UK only. Um. That's pretty crazy that they are giving away all this stuff. Uh, the whole plastic surgery thing I can skip. The spy training day will be pretty cool. Uh, the capsule wardrobe... Wait, what? Capsule wardrobe? Never heard of it. What is that? Apparently that's $12,000. Are you kidding me? Uh, I have no clue. That is absolutely stupid that you're paying that much money for that stuff. Uh, but I mean, the trips, the seven nights at the Top Royal Suite and Dubai, that's pretty awesome. Amazing place, from what I've been told. And then you've got the week for two at the Jefferson Hotel in Washington, D.C. Now, let me put it like this. The Dubai, the seven nights there, $19,057.99. The week for two at the Jefferson Hotel in Washington, D.C., 4900 there's a big difference there. So, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, it is worth noting, though, that apparently the package will be delivered to whoever buys it in a presidential style as well. I really don't think... Oh, wow. So you're probably paying over the top for the experience as well. I'm, I'm looking at the... Uh, this is pretty crazy. I'm looking at the, the room in Dubai. This is the amenities that it includes. Two spacious open bathrooms, including jacuzzi, separate rain shower, and luxury Hermes bathrooms amenities. Uh, complimentary Wi-Fi cable broadband. Each suite has an office area with a complete 21-inch iMac, private fax, printer, copier, 42-inch, and 28-inch widescreen interactive HD LED TVs. Uh, the iPhone, iPhone docking station, and media hub, remote-controlled environment, including curtains, TV, in-suite music, and lights. The exclusive 24-karat gold iPad is offered to every guest upon check-in. The device serves as a virtual concierge, and at the touch of a button, accesses both information and the extensive collection selection of hotel services. 24-karat gold iPad. Are you kidding me? What in the world? The pictures of this thing. I would. I don't think I want to stay in this place. I mean, it's it's a nice place, but no. I mean, the bathroom. Oh wow, the bathroom looks beautiful. I'm not kidding on that one. The bathroom looks pretty awesome. I would stay in it for the bathroom. That's it. I'm gonna say it. Um. No, this is just crazy. Uh, I mean, the Martha Jefferson suite, it's a nice suite. I've actually seen the inside of it. It's a nice little down-home suite. So, 
Ashley, go buy this. This the proper details. It costs a million dollars and it's exclusive to game, so it, it does actually cost a million dollars. Okay. Which means go go buy it. Your parents are good for it, don't worry. <laughs> we'll take a uh, fucking no. We'll Plus, if a... I do buy this Saints Row 4 What What Edition, what do I play it on? I'll get you a console, don't worry. I don't get a console with it. <laughs> I'll get it for free, don't worry. Um, but, I, but, but don't worry, we'll take out a half a million dollar uh, life insurance on your on your parents. One for each, so it's a million dollars equal. So don't worry, we got you. Now the question is, where are the porn stars? Go ahead. Yeah. Apparently, the associate producer of Saints Row 4, Kate Nelson, has uh, expressed disappointment over the, all the sexualized marketing that THQ used for the series. Uh, she was interviewed by Edge magazine and said that the use of porn stars and penthouse girls as marketing gimmicks, quote, didn't really fit in with what Saints Row is at heart. I didn't all, always love how much THQ put an emphasis on porn stars. In Saints Row 2 and 3, there was an emphasis on Tara Patrick and the penthouse girls and Sasha Gray and everything. I think it's important in marketing games to make sure that the essence of the game is what's being marketed and the porn star angle didn't really fit in with what Saints Row is, which is a parody. We like to poke fun. How many porn films are parodies of major films now? Almost every single one, in honesty. Saying that someone who has no industry experience uh, was in a role that is sexualized as a producer of our project, or saying the penthouse girls are our QA staff, I can see the humor in that angle of promotion. However, um, she concluded by expressing her belief that the Century series is actually progressive because players can create female avatars and make them look exactly how they want. You don't have to have a D cup either. She pointed out, our game actually does represent women in a positive way, but the press will focus on, oh, hey, there are strippers or there's a dildo bat. It's unfortunate from my perspective that that doesn't come through. Surely the dildo bat is parody enough. It is. And, and you're complaining about this? Yet one of the levels of your game in Saints Row 3 and Saints Row 4 has the character naked. Yeah. I just see a little bit, you know, it's just... Uh... I'm basically looking at this as they're being too stuck up. Um, pretty much they need to wake up and be like, hey, this is a game that's been created for the over the top. You are not, you are not basically just walking in and buying a game for the story. You're buying the game for the over the topness of how crazy it really is. I mean, straight up, it's stupid that they would come out and be like this. I'm a little surprised. I just, I just don't understand why. I mean, last year or the year before, we did have, we did have some pretty crazy things happen with that. Um, they, they, they went a little over the top with it, but at the same time, it was still a really good. 
I don't know. I don't know. It was it was a great game, but I don't know. They well, I know how out over this. Went, I know how people were freaking out over Saints Row One and Two. You know, being like gritty, sort of serious kind of things, and then Saints Row Three just really turned it all on its head and just went wacky. I think mainly because if you think about it, at the time when Saints Row One and Two came out with uh, the GTA series, GTA was kind of a sort of parody sector because they were going back to the past, and you know, Vice well, City's clearly got inspirations of Miami Vice and Scarface and quite a lot of eighty stuff. As there's quite a lot of inspirations from like Boys in the Hood and things like that in San Andreas, which was set in the 90s. No. Um, more so, why Saints Row was created is because it was such a lag period between all the Grand Theft Autos. They created Saints sure. Row to uh, basically to say, hey, you want this really cool game and Grand Theft Auto, you're done playing it? Well, we're going to give you something even better. We're going to give you something really fun, stupid. Oh, wow. Um, just something way out there. And that's what pretty much Saints Row did. So, I, I applaud Saints Row on that, but then... Well, Saints Row 1 and 2 had more serious stories, didn't they? 1 did, yes. 2 was kind of starting to get to that stupid side. Yeah. And then 3 was just completely out there. And four serious again. <laughs> if four serious, then I don't know what's going on around this place. Um, I don't have anything else for stories. I was There's looking at some. One thing that I quickly want to mention that I forgot about: um, the demise of OMG Pop. Eighteen months ago, was purchased by Zynga for one hundred and eighty million dollars, and all looked wild. All look well with the world. This past week, Zynga shut them down. So technically, the developers of Draw Something don't exist anymore. I think Draw Draw Something still exists as an app, and Zynga now uses it to God knows how much of its own personal gain kind of thing. But... All the original devs have been left out of a job. So whether we'll see them go somewhere else, I'm not sure. We'll take a look right quick, see if there's anything else. Excuse me. Oh, man. Um, No, we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that one. Twitter's going all sorts of crazy. Apparently, there's a hashtag pray for Chris Brown. Don't care. Oh, What's he done? Hopefully, he's beating himself, but I don't know. <laughs> um, apparently, starting in August 18th through 24th, all PS Vitas will be $199. Um, Corey Balrog is now back with Sony Santa Monica. For a freaking huge game. Um, 
I don't really see anything else that we need to talk about that we have to talk about. Um, other than Conan O'Brien apparently picked up the uh, Atari 2600 this week and decided to play it. What? Yeah, you didn't hear. He, apparently he played uh, the Atari 2600 on his show this week. Um, uh, a fan vote also forced Conan to spend some time with E.T. He played Missile Command and Pitfall. So, there you go. Just having a quick look, see if I can get the date up quickly, because just wanted to see when Gamescom is supposed to be coming up, because obviously the big rumours, or the bit that the gossip is now going towards that, because pretty much everybody's doing press conferences there that matters. Uh, it's August 22nd to the 25th, so I can think that's... Also, with the next update for the Xbox 360, Microsoft Points will be gone. So, yeah. if you have Microsoft points, they will be switched over to money. may just not be what you want it to be. So, there you go. So, definitely... So Gamescom, Gamescom is two weeks away. Okay. So, there you go. Um, apparently, one more story for me. Apparently, Sony is so confident that they have said that the PS4 will, will not generate any kind of loss like the PS3. Uh... Let me read this right quick. Sony is confident the launch of the PS, the PlayStation 4 will not result in anything like the losses suffered from the PlayStation 3. In 2007-2008, the PS3's launch is said to have resulted in losses topping $3.5 billion. That's a lot of money. Um, which Sony SCE boss Andrew House assured will not happen with the PS4. Um... Yes, I mean, that's a lot of money they lost with the PS3. So, it's going to be pretty crazy if they lose anything with the PS4. And today is apparently the last day to pre-order the PS4. Any bundle, launch day bundle, with Amazon, GameStop, and most other places. Yeah, to guarantee at least getting it on launch day. Yeah. So, there you go. Um... Okay, this is interesting. Uh, this will be more so for the next segment, though, so we'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, anything else we need to talk about, Ashley? I think that's all. Okay, we will take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, segment three. Be right back. I want to be the very best Like no one ever was Hey, wrestling fans, do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? 
Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Hey everybody, the Bronx Father here. If you can't get enough of wrestling talk, conspiracy talk, and outright craziness, then you need to listen to Unplugged with myself and Jeff Jackson every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain. Check it out, or you might just miss moments like this. takes a seat at the table with us when we meet, but also we leave an unburied slight edge of the hatchet that we've carried over the years. And other gutless and heartless God-fearing men urge us to lay rest forever. Face it, neither one of us were ever any good at at Stop it, Harmony. Stop it. Stop it. You're fucking me up. I'm trying to do this. Stop it. Go out of here. Go. Go. Leave the studio. Leave the studio. It's not my kids. It's my wife. Come on. All right. Let's try this again. Oh my God. And impersonating the warrior, take two. All right. Cool. Hey, Sid. Neither one of us were any good at being bored or boring others. So coming prepared to kill one another makes an interesting backup plan. Should I lie on the lawn and get run over by the lawnmowers? <laughs> oh my god. Her laughing in the background sold it. I'm dead. I'm dead too. Anyway, oh did I tell you guys how much I love the Warriors? Uh, anyway, yeah, I think we can both agree that we're Warrior Mark, so if you don't like it, fuck you. And now back to the open book on the SNS Radio Network. Welcome back, guys. Yes, this is the open book with myself, the voice of the voiceless himself, the sensational sequel, sensational spoiler, sensational Sean, 
And I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, the other voice of the voices, the British one, Ashley. And Brass Eye is not the only one who has some trippy music up his sleeve. That was the Doctor Who theme by... And the band just escaped me. I had him in my head, and the band escapes me. Ah. Why do you say escape? Is it like X-Play or something? I'm going to smack you. Um, do you want the name of the file? I, ju- I just need the band. <laughs> I, 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 I can't Traffic make any experiment. sense of this. Traffic experiment. There you go. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, it's Fashta Narada, Doctor Who theme by The Traffic Experiment. Uh, it's really good. If you check out their video, it's on YouTube. It's really good. It's worth uh, the check out. Um, there is something I want to talk about before. I do a lot of Tumblr stuff, and one of the one of the websites I follow is called Did You Know? And actually, I thought about you immediately as soon as I saw this because this is right over there near you anyway. And Yakutia, Russia. Temperatures become so cold that trees explode, blue sparks fly from falling timber, mercury freezes, and exhaled breath is transformed into a shower of ice crystals called the Whisper of the Stars. I thought about you as soon as I saw that. I don't know why. I really don't. But if I ever come over to the England area, we're jumping on a plane and we're going straight to Russia. Because we're going to find that place. And Ashley's not even saying anything. I'm just looking at myself trying to work out whether I've got adequate enough clothing to actually stay not freeze to death. We will get you some more clothes. Do not worry about that. I need... I need... Well, I don't want fur. I want (laughs) the stuff that looks like fur that isn't fur. It's bloody warm. The Russian uh, Russian fur. It'll be fine. Russian fur made from... uh, I was going to make a Stalin five-year plan joke, but then I thought that's a bit dark. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is segment three, of course. We're going to do a little... That's a horrible picture. Um, segment three, we're going to do some entertainment news. Uh, Ashley has his stories, of course, so let's jump straight into it, Ashley. Okay, starting off with uh, a Star Wars graphic novel that is seemingly incoming. Uh, which, from Dark Horse Comics, so it's the guys that know what they're doing kind of thing. But, interestingly, apparently it's going to be based on the very early 1974 drafts. Of the originals. Yeah, the original original script. uh, New Hope, or whatever it is. Whatever it is? uh, You better know what it is. Uh, Probably back then it was just referred to as Star Wars. No, it was... I don't think even in 74 it was referred to as A New Hope. Three years before it came out. It's A New Hope. But keep going. Um, Ang Lee, after his Life of Pi ex- escapades... You see, now, you, now I'm saying X, because you said escape. Damn it. Um... Apparently, Ang Lee's interested in doing a 3D boxing movie. Don't ask me why. He just is. Why? Damn it. 
Um, <laughs> and you drop from chat also. I hope you didn't drop. Basically, I got crazy. Free DFI. Probably did drop. Oh, I have a drop. Keep I going. You're good. You're good. Uh, basically, you're gonna take classic bouts and intersped them with some sort of story, like um, um, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be clear what the script is, but the script is going to be written by Peter Morgan, who did. Uh, Frost, Nixon, and quite a few other pretty damn good writing on films anyway. So what comes from that, we'll have to wait and see. But it seems a bit of an odd move for Ang Lee to make. But then again, Life of Pi seemed odd, considering people thought it was unfilmable, but it got quite a lot of Oscars. Okay, uh, hold, you- on. hold on, hold on. The Shifty and chat, it had to be this week. Uh, Shifty just made the statement, we didn't even call Star Wars Star Wars A New Hope as kids. It was always, was and always will be Star Wars to older fans who aren't on Lucas's dick. There's three films. You're going to call them by the subtitle that they are. You cannot call Star Wars Star Wars because then you're mixing Star Wars with the second film or Star Wars with the third film. You have to go in the chronological order that they are. A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Or... Revenge of the Jedi, to those that really know it. You cannot just call them Star Wars because then you're confusing people who are going to be like, oh, Star Wars the TV show, Star Wars the comics, Star Wars the books, Star Wars the crappy trilogy, or Star Wars the good trilogy. You're going to confuse people. No, Star Wars is not the first film. A New Hope is the first film. Get it right. It's original title of Star Wars, though, wasn't it? It always had the tagline, A New Hope, though. It always back had in it. 77? Uh, as far all the posters that I've seen have always had A New Hope on it. And even the book... Well, all the archive posters, that's the thing. Because there's been so many different versions come out of it. The book even has A New Hope on it. Yes, there's a book, and it came out right after the film. Oh, well, our producer might be giving us uh, crib notes. Keep going either way. I'll I'll deal with Brass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hugh Grant is apparently going to be joining uh, Guy Ritchie's Man from Uncle project as the head of the British Naval Intelligence. It's a nice thing. Uh, this is one that it seems a bit odd. Apparently, due to the success of uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Oh, what's her name? The fighter from Fast Six. Gina Carano. Gina Carano. That's it. No, I, I, I was thinking of Gina was Gina Gershon, just from Bound and stuff. So, yeah, Gina Carano. Uh, apparently, that was such a success that Fast Seven will now have Ronda Rousey in it, in a role that I don't think has been yet to determined. Uh, the script writers for Star Trek 11 and Star Trek Into Darkness. Well, there were basically some rumors saying that people could be coming on board to help them write the next Star Trek film. But, uh, it's now been confirmed that they will be going 
we can't say solo to that but they're together but they won't be assisted by anybody it'll be them writing the third star trek script uh we had a tweet from christopher mcquarrie this week who did the jack reacher movie that said uh mission accepted which confirms that he will be doing Mission Impossible 5. Which, of course, is confusing because that abbreviates to MI5. Which, of course, then makes people go, James Bond is going to be in MI6, isn't he? Whoa, shit, I'm hearing myself. Damn it. Did you open up the browser again? Ashley. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, my 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 flash plugin went like a bitch, and I had to crash it. So I had to restart uh, the the page. Yeah. Um, apparently, Drew Pierce, uh, who did the script for Iron Man Three, is on script writing duties for this one as well. But I think Drew Pierce co-wrote it with Shane Black, didn't he? Off the top of my head. Uh, a fifth ball movie is in the works once again with uh, Aaron Cross leading off, even though it's probably going to have Bourne in the title. It seems a little stupid. But uh, that will be coming. I think, they, I think the plan is around 2015. I think. It's in the early stages of getting production anyway. And very interesting one in The Penguins of Madagascar. Obviously, they're getting their own spin-off film. Uh, so a couple of big-name voice casts have been added in this time. Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be in it. And okay. the vil- Hold on. Is The question I do have, is it going to be the actors from the TV show, or is it going to be the actors from the movies? What do you mean? Well... The voice actors for the TV show are completely different than the voice actors from the movie. So the question comes down, is it going to be the TV, TV show actors, or is it going to be the movie actors? It could be both. It, well, no. These uh, movie actors could be new characters. We haven't fa- well, they haven't announced. No, no, you're not getting me. The Penguins. Oh, the, the no, pe- the Penguins are voiced by the same people. I think, As in the movies, movies or the TV show? No. I think... No, they're completely different people. Okay, I think the penguins are the same voice as the penguins from the movie ser- from the Madagascar series. From the show? <laughs> no, I said the Madagascar series, not the penguin series. You know, okay, circus let me, let me afro, this circus out. afro, whatever. Let me figure this out. Uh, Rico, John DiMaggio. John DiMaggio... Of course, the brilliant person behind Futurama. He did. He did the show, so it's the show, not the movie. But I think I want to say that he may also be. Nope. Okay, it's going to be the people from the show, not the movie. Right. Okay. And I'm fine with that, because the ones from the show, I like the show. The, the show's great. I'd rather have them than I than have anybody else. And apparently, they're also going to have 
Oh, wait. Skipper and Kowalski. Let's make sure they're correct. Tom McGrath. Who's the TV show? Okay, never mind. I'm good. I'm happy. He was the... Uh... Okay, that's interesting. Skipper is the same person as the TV show. Yet Rico isn't. And then Chris Miller, who is supposed to do Kowalski, uh, was in the movies, but not in the TV show. And then Christopher Knight, who plays Private, is for the movie only, too. Also, interesting. So one person from the show is also from the movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry, go ahead. It's just one of those <laughs> things. All that, um, all that we know is that Cumberbatch is going to be in, in, in some sport of specified character that's going to be the hero alongside them. And the villain's character is going to be voiced by John Malkovich. Who's always uh, very good with his, well, his, most of his film roles, actually. I think it's the first time we've done major voice work off the top. I'm not entirely sure. But, uh, yeah. Well, the last thing uh, is the big news from Expendables 3. Yes. And it came from a tweet from Sylvester Stallone basically saying Bruce Willis is out, but in his place, apparently, whether it will be directly, I'm not sure, is, is someone who deserves to, to be in the museum. So let's put it like this. He he straight up said it's some. He, it's been said that it's someone who deserves to be in a museum, and that's what I keep reading everywhere. But go ahead, Harrison Ford, and in that he, museum he will just run through loads of sheets of plate glass for no reason. He'll be running constantly, like Tom Cruise does in all of his movies. A bleak Blade Runner reference. <laughs> um, there's also two more actors that joined that announcement today Mel Gibson and Antonio Banderas oh they've now been green lit okay yep so I mean, that's pretty crazy um, apparently we do of course know that Sylvester Stallone Arnold Schwarzenegger Jason Statham Kellen Lutz Ronda Rousey and Victor Ortiz um they're, that's all they're really saying, apparently, is involved. There's the rumors of Jackie Chan, Wesley Snipes, Nicolas Cage, and Mila Jovovich. But none of them have been confirmed. I wonder Rouse isn't that as well. Oh, my word. Well, I mean... It's going to be a busy 2014 for Ronda Rousey, then. Not only is she going to be fighting, but August is going to be Expendables 3. I think June is fast... Seven, isn't it? Oh, fine, no. I can care less about that them series. Oh, come on. Jason Statham. It's... Unless there's a bomb on the vehicle, I don't care. There might be, I don't know. Don't care. I love Jason Statham, but not that much. <sighs> okay. Jeff's going to be taking away your... Uh presenting card soon if you say stuff like that. Who? 
JJ. About Jason Statham? I don't care. Jason Statham, he's a great actor. I love him to death, but I don't care about Fast and Fierce. I haven't cared since after the first movie. Um, it will be coming out July 11th, 2014, Fast 7. So it will be a month in between um, Fast 6 and Expendables. So don't expect her to be in a fight anywhere around then. Eh. Apparently, are you, were there any more stories? I apologize. No, that was all for me. Okay. Um, I don't know if you knew this week, but this week was D23 Expo. You know what that is? No. D23 Expo is Disney's Expo. Basically, they do a lot of different stuff, and they show off some new concepts they have for their um, parks. Apparently, they showed off several things, and there's one that I'm very hyped for because I'm very curious as to what it is. And that's called Orange Harvest. Orange Harp... the hell? I apologize. Uh, apparently my... Uh... Okay. Yeah, the new title of the ride is Orange Heart the hell? No, apparently it decided to bring up an ad at the same time I was looking at oh. this. Um, Orange Harvest, no one really knows what it is. Um... Blue Harvest was the uh, uh, the code name for Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, or Seven, excuse me. No, now six. Um, no, Blue Harvest was the. No, original. hold on. It was the code name for Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. It is. Um, so there's questions if Orange Harvest is something Episode Seven, is it a new ride? No one knows. And even, they haven't even said yet what it is. Um, but there's pictures. Um, there's a picture of a box that has a hole in it. And it's the shape of R2-D2. Huh. Um, there's a couple other boxes. And this picture, I just had it. I apologize. Um, there's a picture of R2-D2 with a... R2 name tag on that has Disney on it. There's a box that says ship to Project Orange Harvest CO Walt Disney Imagineering. Contents already spoiled. Uh, keep refrigerated. Contents bantam milk 12 bottles. Uh, class A thermal detonators. I mean, there's several things that are in these boxes uh, that these boxes say but no one knows what it is. So it could be a new ride. It could be the start of Star Wars being integrated into Disney. So, I mean, there's a lot of things. This and smells very Swerve-esque. Why is that? Just the whole fact that it's like content's already spoiled. You know, and hinting at stuff that looks like R2-D2. It's kind of making them, you making you think it is Star Wars related, and they could do the, you know, more than likely it is Star Wars related, but they could do the switcheroo and it's something completely different. No, the whole picture of R2-D2, 
the Bantha Milk, the Thermal Detonators, and then the third, the last box, which says contents, one protocol droid, and then right above that is stamped C-3PO. Mm. It's Star Wars. It's, it yes. is going to be Star Wars related, but no one knows what it is. Wow, he really big with it. Okay, somebody just somebody just completely knocked the uh, protocol droid out of knock or something. Why do you say that? Well, I couldn't hear you. You couldn't hear me. Mm. That old chestnut. Okay. So what um, the people heard could be an amalgamation of a tool. It's a possibility. I don't really have anything other than that. Uh, so, is there anything else we need to talk about? I mean, I'm not. We I'm not going to take phone calls. I'm exhausted. It's been a very long day. Um, is there anything you can think of that we need to talk about? We could leave the Nolan discussion, I guess, that we teased. Okay, you know what? Let's do let's do that. Yeah, let's get do no, no, um, Nolan discussion. Uh, earlier in the week, I did post on the Facebook page that was an article on IGN that was basically Christopher Nolan. Did he make the comic book movie universe better, or did he make it worse? Now, there's a few reasons why this question is being asked. And I really wish these ads would fucking close. Um, there's a few reasons why this is, these questions are being asked. Because, number one, everyone thinks with the whole... With it... I, I'm trying to figure out how to put this right. Um... He made three of the greatest Batman films ever. He made three of the best superhero films ever. What does that mean for later on? Does that mean we're going to have some great films? Or does that mean there's a possibility that we're going to have some completely crappy movies? I mean, what are we, what are we thinking here, actually? What are you, what are you seeing? I honestly think what he's done is he's kind of raised the bar to make other people up their game. Because I think if you hadn't have seen, you know, at, at, the, at the time, if you think about it, um, when Batman Begins came out, Superman was al already Superman Returns was already in development and didn't turn out to be that good. Uh Spider-Man 3 came out and arguably was the weakest out of the three Sam Raimi films. Um, the Fantastic Four series wasn't entirely successful, so much so that they're having to reboot it, despite the fact the first film only came out, what, 10 years ago, roughly? 2003, was it? Or 2004, around then? So, and the fact is, since really that came in, we've had, I don't know, stuff like Kick-Ass, Man of Steel, which I say is a very strong film, despite what some people would have said, um, Amazing Spider-Man, which I think is a return to, you know, the glory days of Spider-Man, uh, 
and really the, the it made Marvel step up a gear as well yeah. with Iron Man, Hulk, pretty much everything. This is what IGN put up as their poll. They have four choices. The best, he saved Batman and made superhero films be taken seriously. He's both the best and the worst thing to happen to superhero cinema for all those reasons. The worst, his gritty, real, realistic, and dark take isn't right for every character in Hollywood. Who cares? No one's schmolling. Make mine weedin'. <laughs> that one alone, I'm just kind of like, what? Um, IGN's a pretty popular website. Um, and right now, 63.2% believe that it that he is the best for comic book films. Um, 24.75% feel that he is both the best and the worst. 6.69% think, who cares? No one's smolling. Make mine weedin'. And 5.35% says the worst. So, there you go. I mean, the numbers don't lie. A lot of the fans think that he has done the best for superhero films. I mean, I do believe that he has made superhero films be taken seriously. I mean, what, when, when is the last time we have seen an Uwe Boll film? <laughs> I'm going to ask that question straight up. That is... a Weird question to ask, but when is the last time we had an Uwe Boll film? And I am looking that up right now because we have probably, not seen anything from him. Probably last year, I'd have thought. Uh, in the cinemas, have they gone straight to DVD? Apparently, the last. I wow, I didn't even realize he was still doing films. Um, apparently, he's doing Ninja Gaiden. No, well, tonight it's very crazy. Uh, the Dark Knight, one of a very dark film, had a very gritty story to it, and people were like, "Okay, maybe this is too dark for anybody anybody really to pay attention to." Dark Knight Rises, Bane storyline, the the entire story to that was one of those people stood up and looked at, but they still didn't feel that it was up to the par of the Dark Knight itself because it. Dark Knight was one of the best comic book films in the in the past ten years. The only thing that's come even close to it, the Avengers, in my opinion. The Avengers has been was an amazing film, but the Dark Knight is still one of the greatest comic book films in the past ten years. The Avengers two might come close, but not sure. So, I mean, it's going to depend on what this Superman uh, Superman versus Batman film is going to be. Uh, if we get anybody worth it to actually come in and do it, I mean, I don't know. But Christopher Nolan, in my opinion, made... He, he did exactly what he needed to. And that was create a great set of movies to make people rethink how they look at super uh, superhero films. And, and also, as an aside kind of to this, if it wasn't for him redefining the superhero genre, we wouldn't have had Inception. True. 
because basically he wanted to make Inception before he did the third Dark Knight film. And because of how well Dark Knight did, they basically said, okay, you make your own movie, uh, and we'll release it, and then you can make Dark Knight Rises. And of course, the thing that came out from that is it was a summer blockbuster, which was a very intelligent thing. It wasn't like a usual summer blockbuster where, you know, leave your brain at the door and just take the popcorn in kind of thing. You really had to think through it. And I think it was like the third biggest film of 2010, wasn't it? Sure. I'm not sure. It was, it it took close on to a million, sorry, close on to a billion dollars. It, and which kind of tells you that there is a market for intelligent summer blockbusters. It's not just all about Adam Sandler movies. Right. And stuff like that. And so um, you, you agree that he is the best thing that has given. Um, yeah. Hold on, hold on. To Anthony and chat. Stay tuned just for a few more minutes. I do have something that's probably going to get me kicked off the air. Um, I've just completely remembered something I wanted to talk about. But continue, Ashley. He's the well. He's the he's the best thing to uh, he, to me. He's the best thing to superhero cinema because he created the best thing to happen in sci-fi cinema in about twenty years. An okay. Inception. Because I, I feel that strongly about it. Now, there's something I want to talk to you about, and we've already heard Mindwipe's opinion on this. <laughs> so we're going to ask you the reveal, the Doctor Who reveal. What do you think? I'm personally looking forward to this direction because. I want to, I want to kind of see an older Doctor again. Of sorts, you could say Christopher Christopher Eccleston was an older Doctor because he was kind of a already established name kind of thing for the stuff he did at least in the UK. The reason why he obviously dropped from that series was because of the whole uh, heroes thing. But yeah. Obviously, some people affectionately in the press were basically saying, oh, perhaps he could be his Malcolm Tucker character and just be swearing off against the Daleks and the Cybermen. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely approving of it. Okay. I am taking a wait-and-see attitude. I'm kind of curious to see what he's going to do, what he's go- what he's going to have. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to see how they're going to do it. Uh, somebody posted a picture today, and it was really cool. It was actually um, him with Claire on one side and River on the other side, and he was actually wearing, uh, I believe it was the fourth Doctor, um, Colin Baker. Tom. Tom Baker. I apologize. Why have I keep calling him Colin? There was a Colin, wasn't there? Yeah, that was Doctor Six. 
Oh, okay. I apologize. Tom Baker, he, he was wearing the scarf. So, it was a really cool picture to see that he was wearing the scarf in front of the TARDIS. There's been a lot of pictures, a lot of fan art come out. And it's looking really cool. So, I'm looking very forward to seeing what we're going to have of him. I, have, I still have never seen anything of the original Doctors. Y'all can hate me later. Whatever. <laughs> but... And I'm not going to. I'm straight up not. I. It's just one of those things I'm not going to make time to go do. So, I am going to take a wait-and-see attitude with this because I'm curious on the how they're going to do it, and I want to see how they are going to how they're going to do this, pretty much. So, um, so, I guess we're good. I guess we are, uh, good on everything for this week. Uh-huh. Of course, you can catch all the live shows here on the SNS Radio Network. You have, the, you have Unplugged every Tuesday at 9 p.m. You have the Open Book, which is live every Friday at 10 p.m. You have Sunday Night Showdown, which is live every pay-per-view Sunday at 8 p.m. Actually, what podcast can you catch on the network? Well, uh, just to add a couple of things to the live show stuff, this uh, coming Tuesday, JJ and Bronx are going to be interviewing uh, Lex Luger. Yep, that's correct. Uh, they had an interview good. with um, Five Star Wrestling this past week, which was a great yes. interview. And... Uh, also, because Bronx will curse you out, get in the zone. Never heard of it. D- Dave, <laughs> Dave, last week uh, is going to be for, well, fortnightly on Saturday. So the next one coming up will be uh, next week, which is the 17th of Never uh, heard of it, so it doesn't exist. August. Yeah, it's just because... It's just I don't know. He was in a complete daze last week, so he completely forgot about it's it. It's a fake show that I've never heard of. They're, they're just they're just <laughs> trying to mess with you guys. Wow. Well, considering I was on it, it's not a fake show. It's all in your head. It's all in your head. It's Inception. Uh, podcast podca- we got? Podcast we've got uh, The Hard Way, I think, with uh, Adam, Danny, the rest of the guys. Uh the Elite Force podcast, the midweek edition with Chuck W, and the weekend edition with Walkie and Mindwipe. Check it out. Um, do check out the weekend edition from last week. It's the one I, w- I was mentioning a minute ago. The picture is absolutely hilarious, and we've had a lot of fun with Walkie and Mindwipe with their pictures they've been posting, um, asking us a caption. I, I, they know I love them. I mean, I, it's nothing but fun and funny games with uh, the shows. I do want. I do think that Mindwipe takes a little bit too seriously sometimes. We got to back it off a little bit, brother, um, and just enjoy, enjoy life as it is. Go ahead, Ashley. Wow, he said that like he was an easy rider. Enjoy life, man. Wow, um, that was horrible, by the way. Hey, I haven't seen that in a few years, so I completely forgot what the characters sound like. Um, 
We've also got Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman. Uh, Round the Ropes is on hiatus for the bit, but we'll be coming back next month. And the whole indie show with myself, Sandro, and Randy. Which just got posted today, I believe. Got posted this morning. It there you go. does get posted up on a Friday. And it's kind of ironic that you mentioned the movie Easy Rider. Um, I personally like to send my condolences to the family of Karen Black, who died, yes. who died yesterday at the age of 78. She was in, okay. Easy, she was in Easy Rider. Yeah, I think one I saw her, that. Was that one of her earlier roles? That was, yeah, she was in that. She was also, I believe the other movie she got the Oscar nomination for was uh, Five Easy Pieces. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she passed away yesterday of uh, cancer. So it's just ironic timing you mentioned that movie. So, so there you go. Um, there was something nagging in the back of my head. <laughs> it was like, I do remember something. Anything you want to say before we end the show, Ashley? Hope everybody has a good week. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. No, nothing special, you know. Not like the end is nigh. You know. I got something to say. The end is nigh. Probably if the Medea Christmas movie comes out again. A revolution is coming. I'm just going to leave that there. A revolution is coming. Thank you guys for joining into the open book this week. I am, of course, Sensational Sequel, Sensational Spoiler, one of the voices of the voices right here on the SNS Radio Network. Of course, my co-host is actually the British one, the other voice of the voiceless here on the SNS Radio Network. You have we have joined us for the open book. Um, we thank you. We hope you enjoyed. And check out this song from Hellstorm. It is Here's to Us. Great song, video is absolutely amazing, but this one's really special because it's actually the guest version where they bring in a couple of different other people and help them sing the song. So enjoy. You can catch us next week right here on the SNS Radio Network. Thanks, guys, and peace. Just go home right now Or maybe we could stick around For just one more drink Oh yeah Get another bottle out Let's shoot the shit Sit back down For just one more drink Oh yeah Here's to us Here's to love All the times that we fucked up Here's to you Do all that we can to do all that we 
the glass As the last few nights have kicked my ass If they give you hell It's time to fuck themselves Here's to us, here's to us Here's to us, here's to us Here's to us, here's to love All the times that we messed up Here's to you, fill the glass It's the last few nights have kicked my ass I'm so wrong. 